0: After a, a mistrial was declared almost two weeks ago, in the case of Michael Slager, that North Charleston police officer who fatally shot the 50-year-old African-American, Walter Scott, after that mistrial was declared, there was no riot in Charleston. Just as there was no riot in Charleston after the tragedy at Mother Emanuel. Because in both of these instances the gospel was front and center controlling actions and reactions the family of the families of those victims at mother emmanuel beyond our ability to understand because of the power of the gospel stepped forward and one by one they said to the person who had killed their family we forgive you i don't know if you saw walter scott's mother after his trial but she said I'm not sad. You know why I'm not sad? Because I have Jesus on the inside. And then she went on to talk about trusting in a God who is just and powerful. No riot here in Charleston. But the no riot narrative that the gospel wrote was not the narrative that everyone had hoped for. You probably heard about this on NBC's Today Show. Did you hear about this? Matt Lauer is the anchor, and he's saying these words on air. The mayor of Charleston, excuse me, the mayor of Charleston, community leaders, and South Carolina's governor are urging a calm response in that ruling. But while he's saying those words, behind him is displayed a picture of a, a race riot. But, but the riot was not in Charleston. Wait, wait a minute. Oh yes, the picture is not a picture of Charleston at all. The picture is a 2015 picture of a race riot in Baltimore, Maryland. Well, some sharp folks here in Charleston said, hey, that's not Charleston. And they exposed this manipulation. And so the vice president for public relations of the Today Show responded, the video mistakenly, included, don't you love air quotes? (laughs) They say so much. The video mistakenly included an image from an event not related to the Scott trial, and we apologize. Now, it leaves one questioning how NBC defines mistake. Because how does one enter Charleston image in their search of files and come up with a picture from Baltimore, Maryland? And if you saw that image, there's someone in the picture of the riot holding up this huge white poster board, and yet there's nothing on it. So it makes you wonder if maybe they photoshopped something out of the picture that would identify it with Baltimore. I don't know the answers to these questions. But it seems to be less a mistake and more of an attempt to manipulate in order to bring about that riot narrative that they had already written And possibly already hoped for. But who cares about NBC, right? What about us? What about you and what about me? Because all of us write narratives for our lives, appear in our minds. We write educational narratives for ourselves. We write career narratives. We definitely write marital narratives for ourselves. We write that where I want to live narrative. For ourselves and eventually for our children. And if you're really a, a type A person, you write those narratives for everybody else. <laughs> Y'all, the ones laughing are the ones who do it. How do you react? Really, how do you re- react when the Lord interrupts or even completely rewrites that narr- narrative? Are you eager to go with what the Lord is bringing, or like NBC, do you feel this compulsion to manipulate so that you can have the story the way you want it written? Listen, here's what we've got to do. You and I, all of us, have got to stay open to the story that God is writing for us. Hope we'll see that this morning as we come to Matthew chapter 1. If you have a Bible with you, please take it out now. If you don't have one, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Matthew chapter 1. When you found your place, if you'll please stand, and we will hear read together the word of the living God. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. and took Mary home as his wife but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus let's pray together lord thank you for your word your narrative your story lord that reveals your love for us your plan for us for this world the plan that you're working out it's beautiful lord we pray that as we come around your word this morning we will see the beauty of it and desire to be part of it we pray these things in Jesus name amen Thank you so much. Maybe seated. Well, let's move from NBC to, to CBS. CBS got nine seasons out of the series How I Met Your Mother. I'm not recommending that show, I'm just saying. Nine seasons How I Met Your Mother, but Matthew does not feel inclined to do the same thing for us. Matthew. He's not inspired to tell how Joseph met Mary. He doesn't tell us where Joseph met Mary. And he doesn't tell us what we all like to know, what was Joseph doing the first time he laid eyes on Mary. It's a story we'd all like to hear, but Matthew doesn't tell us. He doesn't introduce us to Joseph until God interrupts Joseph's life with this unexpected pregnancy, a child that's not here, and with an angel in a dream. You and I don't normally like interruptions in our lives. Once I was working from home, door shut, I was on the phone. It was an important phone call when my youngest daughter, Anna Ruth, opened the door and started to interrupt me. And I was very sweet. I said, Anna, honey, you know, don't interrupt me. I'm on the phone. So Anna closed the door, went away. But just a few seconds later, the door opened again. And once again, Anna tried to interrupt me. And I said a little more firmly this time, Anna, you know not to interrupt me when I'm on the phone. And Anna said so sweetly, I know, Dad. But Mom is slumped in the kitchen floor and she's bleeding. (laughs) Yes, a piece of fruit she was cutting with our brand new cutco knives slipped and the knife did its work on her finger. So off we went to emergency care for more than a few stitches. We don't like interruptions in our lives, but sometimes they are for something that's really important. And this morning I want us to be challenged by what Joseph did when God interrupted his life. It was an important interruption, a necessary one because it gave Joseph A new narrative for a bigger vision of a bigger story than he could have ever imagined on his own. Let me tell you, God is going to interrupt our lives as well. He is going to because he's a big God with a big purpose and he has big power to bring it all about. And when you and I can get that vision, it'll be okay with us when God interrupts our lives and gives us a different narrative. It will be okay with us to let go our own narratives and our attempt to manipulate, to bring them about. And so the converse is is true as well. When we don't have a big vision, you and I, when our world is small, when our vision is small, then we cling to that small narrative. So we need a big vision this morning. It will make us willing to take our place in it. The narrative Joseph was writing for himself was a noble one. But it was a very small one. He found the girl he wanted to marry. Clearly from all we know here about Joseph. He loved Mary deeply. And so he would build this simple wife, life with his, with his new wife. Joseph did not have a vision. How he and his wife together would participate with God in changing the world. Right? Right? Until God interrupted his life with a dream and with this message. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow! A child conceived by the Holy Spirit? A son who will forgive the sins of his people? How could Joseph ever have imagined Such a thing for his life had God not interrupted him. And then Matthew ties this event, this message from the angel, with Old Testament prophecy. Look down in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now you and I know, As most likely the the Jewish readers of Matthew's gospel in his day knew, that this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now Matthew was inspired to quote this Old Testament passage. What connections did Matthew want us to make, or completely unbeknownst to Matthew? What connections does God want us to make? Well, in order to answer that, we have to do a little Old Testament history. You ready? All in favor, say aye. Aye. Uh, Opposed, don't get a vote. (laughs) Old Testament history. Here we go. After David, the greatest king of Israel died, his son Solomon ruled. And by the end of Solomon's rule, Solomon had begun to treat his people very harshly. And instead of free people living in the promised land, their lives under Solomon looked much more like their lives in slavery in Egypt. And so when Solomon died and his son Rehoboam became king, the people came to Solomon's son Rehoboam and they said, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke And we will serve you. Reasonable request. Rehoboam answered the people My father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I'll scourge you with scorpions. And so, a man named Jeroboam became like a second Moses for the people, and he led a revolt against Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And he took with him ten of the twelve tribes of Israel, and they went and formed what was called the kingdom of Israel, or the northern kingdom. The remaining two tribes became the tribe of Judah, it was Judah and Benjamin, and they stayed in the southern kingdom, and Rehoboam reigned over them. Now, fast forward to Isaiah 7, where this quote comes from. You still with me? Ahaz is king of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, the line of David. He's 20 years old. Pekah is on the throne of the northern kingdom, and he's been reigning in the northern kingdom for 17 years. Well, Pekah formed a coalition with Rezin, king of Syria. You following all these kings in place? So the northern kingdom and Syria formed this coalition, and together their goal was to destroy David's dynasty and put a king in power of their own choice. They said, let us invade Judah. Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabiel king over it. And so they came and they waged war against Jerusalem and they besieged the city. And Ahaz and the people of Jerusalem were afraid. And scripture says that their hearts shook within them like trees in the forest shake in the wind. International interactions were scaring the people. Now, you and I can relate to that a little. Know how these people feel. One poll I heard said that the two most disliked and mistrusted candidates in the history, the entire history of presidential candidates were Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. (laughs) Number one and number two. So before either of these candidates, the hearts of some people were shaking a little bit in fear, right? That either one of them would become president. Now we're in the headlines about Russia hacking and leaking emails that were written supposedly in an attempt to, to favor Trump for the presidency. And those of us who are a little older here, not many of us, but some of us, we remember the Cold War with Russia, right? Always a little bit afraid of them. If you were an evangelical Christian at the time, we were always talking about how Russia was the great bear from the north. And they were going to be our, our Armageddon enemy in the end. And so we were always afraid of Russia. And so this is a little bit scary. You know, Russia tampering with our democratic process. But then you think, well, the emails that were leaked exposed an attempt to favor one nominee over the other, and so isn't that also tampering with the election and the democratic process? And so we've got this tampering at home, we've got this tampering internationally. Not only the possibility of it, but the reality of it. It makes your heart flutter a little bit, doesn't it? It could but not if we have a vision for what God is doing, the story he's writing and our place in it, just as King Ahaz and the people need not fear if they had remembered and trusted the promise of God. God promised David, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That's the promise of God. And this is God's big plan and it's his big purpose. And it's that the throne of David will last forever and ever. So, if the southern kingdom were destroyed... And the king of the northern kingdom and Syria's choice would come on the throne. What would happen to the promise of God? The promise that the line of David would reign forever. The person who had a big vision of what God was doing. And who trusted in the promises of God would not have feared this coalition between Israel and Syria. But Ahaz didn't have a vision for what God could do. Or how God would fulfill his promise. Because Ahaz had his own narrative in mind. Now another king is going to enter. Ahaz sent messengers to the king of Assyria with this message. I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and rescue me from the attacking armies of Aram and Israel. And then Ahaz went into the the temple. And he took gold. From the temple of the Lord and he sent it as payment to the king of Assyria. Do you get the the depth of the tragedy of that? The king who's sitting on the throne of David that will last forever. Reigning over the people of God. Groveling before a godless king. I'm your servant. I'm your vassal. You come and rescue me. And then to enter the the glorious, majestic temple of the one and only true and living God and take gold from that place to pay someone else to deliver you. This is where a lack of faith and this is where a lack of trust and this is where a lack of vision of the power and the plan of God will lead you every time. And so the saying becomes true, sin makes you stupid. Let's say that together because it is a a proverb of life. Sin makes you stupid. And it made Ahaz really stupid. But God is gracious. And so he sent the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz to encourage the king. To put his trust in the Lord. And so Isaiah said to King Ahaz, whose heart was doing this thing, Be careful, be calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Of their plan to destroy Judah, God says, it will not take place. It will not happen. Then God says, if you don't stand firm in faith, you will not stand at all. And then to further encourage Ahaz, because God is so gracious. And to give him a vision for what can be, God told Ahaz... Ask, ask me for a sign. Ahaz, ask me for a sign, any sign, from the deepest depths to the highest heights. In other words, think big. Think big, Ahaz. Be extreme. Ask for something beyond what is normal, beyond your knowledge of what's really high or what's really deep. But Ahaz, that stupid, wicked king that he was, you know what? He refused ask for a sign I will not ask for a sign so then the Lord addresses Ahaz and the house of David here now you house of David is it not enough to try the patience of humans will you try the patience of God also and then we come to the famous verse 17 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign you won't ask for a sign the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Ahaz. Something miraculous is going to happen. A virgin is going to give birth to a son. Emmanuel, God is with you. And so God's promise here is confirming God's big plan and the story that he's writing, the story that will not be stopped. You and I, we have a similar promise. Jesus promises this. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, you with shaking heart. The power of hell does not have the ability of defeating or winning the victory over the church of Jesus Christ. That's the promise of the Lord. Of course, you and all, I hear this morning we are part of that promise, but it's also beyond us. What happens to the church in any particular time or any particular place is only part of the bigger picture. And the big picture is victory for the church and victory for the gospel. Is that good news? And so we keep the promise of Jesus in mind, no matter what we experience. And we don't allow our hearts to shake like leaves in the trees with the wind. But let's get back to Joseph. Because of the way Matthew tells the story, we have Joseph and Ahaz side by side. Ahaz is given a sign by God, but he is unmoved by that sign. He continues to go his own way and to write his own narrative. And that never ends in a good place. You realize that, that never ends in a good place so it doesn't end in a good place for Ahaz either Judah once again came under attack their towns were raided some of their towns were captured and occupied but Ahaz this man who had received a sign from God remained unfaithful to the Lord he sent to the king of Assyria again but this time the king of Assyria didn't help him he he only gave him more trouble And so pathetically, he sends the king of Assyria one more time. He takes more precious things from the temple. But the king of Assyria still would not help him. So Ahaz, this man given a sign from God, becomes more unfaithful. And this is what he says. Since the gods of the kings of Aaron have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me too. Scripture says that this was the downfall of Ahaz. And all of Israel. And Ahaz dies after 16 years of misused power, and they didn't even place his body in the tomb of the kings. Ahaz. Joseph, the man given a dream by God, stands beside Ahaz, the man given a sign by God. Joseph did not manipulate to bring his own narrative about, he did not plow ahead. And divorce Mary He did not find another girl to love and settle down to a quiet life with. Joseph allows God to rewrite his story, and he finds his place in God's bigger story. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Look what Joseph does, He seizes the opportunity. To be the husband of the one that God chose and blessed to be the mother of his son. Joseph seizes the opportunity to act as the human father. To provide for and protect the one who is God with us. The one who will save his people from their sin. Joseph takes on all the responsibilities and all the frustrations and all the accusations and all the misunderstandings and all the crazy stares that come across people's faces when they hear about the narrative of God and what it's bringing to his life. But Joseph also gets all the joy because joy always comes from being open to and being in God's narrative. And so the choice is before us, right? Ahaz or Joseph. Joseph. That's our choice. Getting on board with the big vision of God or clinging to the narrative that we have written for ourselves and manipulating to bring it about. God's story is always the best one. Always the big one. It's always about advancing his kingdom against which no power will stand. And joy will always come from willingly. Setting aside your narrative for the bigger, better one God has for you. And so the second question is this. How big is your vision? How often do you picture what God could do through you as one who carries the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How often do you remind yourself of the transformation that God can bring into the life of another person, because you spoke the gospel to them, or because you lived out with love and grace and mercy the gospel before their very eyes. How often do you think about the transformation that can come to the lives of those to whom the one found transformation through you now tells the gospel? Get the picture the the ripple effect. How often do you think about the impact and the change that the gospel can bring to this city? How often do you think about the impact that you could have if your life was a life of faith and not fear? Because you trust God for everything. Finances, relationships, decisions, whatever. Whatever. You and I need to ask God for a vision. He gives those, you know. We need to ask God for a vision. For the impact that, that you as an individual and we together as a church can have when we allow God to write our story. And we need to ask God to help us to let go. Just let go. And not manipulate like NBC, like Ahaz, To have the story that we like better. Perhaps because our story has more prestige for us. Perhaps because our story has more power for us. Perhaps because our story has more profit for us. Perhaps because there is a perceived happiness that we think we'll find in our story. Or maybe it's even more simple than that. We prefer our story because it's just easier. And we would really rather not be bothered. That life will not end in joy. But listen. (laughs) Allowing God. To write our stories. Even with all the responsibilities. All the frustrations. All the accusations. All the misunderstandings. All the crazy stares. You believe what? That God's narrative will bring upon our life. Joy will be yours. Because. The Lord has come because the Lord is with us, because we have prepared Him room, because He rules the world and He is writing your story. Joy is ours. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray that You would give us the faith to let go in our lives of our own stories. Father, it's not a Sin for us to to look into the future, to make plans for the future. It's not a sin for us to have goals in our lives in, in, in any way. Lord, the sin is to not include you in them. And the sin, Lord, in all that planning is not first and foremost asking, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what is your plan for my life? Lord, show me how being part of your plan fits into my life? How does your plan make a difference in the school I pick, the career choice I make, the spouse I choose for myself? Lord, how do those things work together to advance your kingdom and fulfill your plan for my life? So Lord, in as much as we don't do that, we pray, uh, we pray that you would forgive us. And ask, Lord, that you would give us a big vision for what you can do in us and through us as individuals and as a church here in Charleston. And, Lord, then may our energies and enthusiasm and efforts go to stepping up and taking our place in that plan and allowing you to fulfill it through us. Lord, what a difference we can make in this place for Jesus' sake pray that you will do it in us and through us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.